Hi everyone, welcome back to the Quantum Power Cafe. I hope everyone has had a really nice end to the uh, the rest of the year. And for me to say that means that I haven't been making any podcasts or videos for a while, and I apologize for that. I've been living. Um, I changed living my living situation earlier this year, and I've been living at home, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but just being at home, sometimes it's hard to find time or just a privacy to be able to make podcasts on a consistent basis. And then also too, I kind of got maybe a little bit, a little lazy. I'm not going <laughs> to, I won't lie about that. I, I kind of procrastinated a little bit and, and I'm not entirely sure why, because I enjoy making these podcasts, but I'm now I'm much more committed to, to, um, recording a podcast at least once a week and because I think it's really important there's a lot of uh, a lot of stuff going on right now with uh, you know the whole push towards human plus or human 2.0 or whatever you would like to call it the, the the cybernetic this cybernetic system that is trying to manifest on on earth right now and you know I shall I, I really you know I gotta kind of get off my duff a bit and start talking about this, but also, you know, start talking, talk about, um, things that I find I'm, I'm learning and I find inspiring and subjects and just talking about things that I find interesting as well, because I think, who knows, it's sometimes, you know, that it's the most like obscure or a little or maybe it's a small piece of information or a story or something that can inspire and encourage another person to, you know, follow their goals or follow their dreams. And I know that sounds kind of like, well, if this, if all this stuff, if they're trying to roll all this stuff out, then why would following your dreams or inspiration be important? Well, I think because dreams and inspiration are, are, they have a, an intimate relationship with love. And right now we're in a spiritual struggle because, you know, the, peop the people that are kind of working on behalf of the predatory energy or this predatory system, as John Trudeau um, has spoken about, you know, they're, they don't really... They don't operate... or <laughs> I shouldn't say off. I try not to be so... Mechanical is my language, but that where they're coming from, their perception is a very mechanical perception. I mean, you kind of see it with their language when they refer to people as machines, like computers. Like a really common one is referring to our brains as just computers. Oh, and by the way, if you hear a humming in the background, that's the fridge. I'm I'm still learning a little. I have a lot to learn about audio and and sound. I'm not sure how to drown it out, so I'll I'll try my best after I record this to get rid of it. But if you hear the fridge, I I can't get behind it, unplug it, otherwise I would. So I appreciate your patience, and I know as I get uh, dedicate dedicate more time towards my podcast and towards uh, creating really good content, that I I will get better at um, audio and. Uh, 
like sound editing so you don't have to hear the humming noise. I again I apologize. I hope it's not too annoying. Um and maybe I'll just keep the this show brief for tonight just so you don't have to listen to it in the background. So I, I just want to apologize for that because I, I know, you know, if you have really lots of people like to have really good audio and sometimes when you have a, a fridge humming away in the background is it can be annoying, but uh, it's just the way it is right now. I can't. I'm hoping next year I can uh, find a new living situation. I'm working towards that, uh, but just for now, I just kind of have to bear with it. Bear with me. <laughs> I have some patience, and and I, I I think you know as the show goes on, as, as I learn and grow, the audio will get better, and so hopefully I'll have the uh, ability to. I'm sure I can Google how to get rid of annoying refrigeration sounds out of the podcast or something but anyway just back to um uh, you know my astrology teacher she calls them the powers that shouldn't be so just back to the powers that shouldn't be and and their perception of the world it's very uh, it's a very mechanical perception it really got going i think it really took root during the enlightenment but this predatory energy has been around for a long time for thousands of thousands of years it kind of it came out of it is closer to coming out of the ice age out of the eurasian steeps um and then it kind of followed uh the the people as they came out of the ice age and um and then they came into europe at the time so it's been around for a while it's taken on uh different forms you know the roman empire um at one point, it was a major religion, especially Catholicism and the Inquisitions and so on, uh, the doctrine of discovery, colonialism, uh, white supremacy, all sorts of stuff. And I say that not out of, out of woke. It's not about woke politics. It's just about history and what happened. And it's something that I feel is really important and something that I want to include in my podcast. Um, and then again, it's not to try and bring about I'm telling these stories. I want to tell these stories because to me, it's like it's uh, it's a counter to that mechanical predatory perception that only sees humans and other beings and, and the cosmos really as just a, a thing to be controlled and dominated. You know, we have this, this dominator type uh, society, which is kind of what Western empire is, like the current, like, how Western society is currently structured. And you hear it all over the place. If you kind of take a step back and just kind of pay attention to what's going on around you, this dominator language is all over the place, especially on social media. And I'm glad I stepped away from Facebook a few months ago. I I closed my account for good. I was on there for a little while because I was trying to sell off some of my stuff, but I figured that maybe I'll just try like the flea markets or something. Um, trying in per- in-person approach instead of using Facebook. So I'm not really on a lot of social media, and I think that's good. And I think also, um, you know, as I kind of come become more aware of how they try and, like, kind of... Because we live in an electric universe, and these people know that. So they what they'll do is they'll put out content, and they'll put out stuff that they know is going to upset people, uh, especially you know, when you think about like the political divide of the left and right, and really it's just a fiction, like the, it's two sides of the same coin. 
And the system, and I think it's more important to focus on the system than it is to focus on uh, left or right politics, just because it's more of a distraction than anything. And I think it's designed just to have people polarized and kind of, I think Alison McDowell kind of talked about this in a um, in a piece she wrote, a little, I can't remember which one, but she spoke about, I think it was spinning or maybe like, uh, you know, those tabletop spinners where they have, and it just spins and runs like when we were kids and toys and the table t- stop or tabletop spinners and it would kind of spin in one one spot maybe they'll move around a little bit but and they have an external f- uh force acting on them to keep spinning over and over again and uh they you know they just stay let that way like they're not going they don't really go anywhere and so maybe it's kind of like you know when you have content when you see stories on social media or content and it really like gets people going it kind of puts me in mind of that spinning you know like where the powers that shouldn't be are like that external force acting on the spinners and we're all each individual spinners and they and you know and the algorithm knows that like they know if you're on there long enough like the algorithm knows how to curate the content towards what we like and what we don't like and and so on so they can put out content it's easier for them to put out content pieces that they know will get a reaction out of people and you know whatever side that that happens to be so I think it's something that I've been learning to do is just to kind of take a step back from that stuff and to try and focus on the big picture uh, the big picture of the predatory energy and and learning more about history, the history of colonialism, which I'll I'll exp- I'll share because I think it is important. And I, and again, I'm not trying to. Um, what I'm trying to do with that is just to show like how this predatory energy has like our ancestors and our our wherever we came from, even from Europe, um, and, and even before that, and other places around the world have all met this machine, this thing, this entity. And I think it's really important to tell those stories because then it leaves, I think it just leaves the possibility of creating different stories, you know, a perception that's more maybe animistic or or holistic or one that is more uh, life-affirming and that cares for the other beings and the other uh creatures and just our earth and the cosmos which is something that's which is a perception that's really counter to the predatory perception which just sees us as souls to be mined really and uh with the with them trying to roll out blockchain and and get us on the ledgers and these smart cities um you know they really are trying to push for that like they want the almost what like they want our souls our etheric bodies and and to use our etheric bodies and the energy that comes from our etheric bodies to power their cybernetic weird world like the metaverse and so that's kind of where that those are the subjects I'm more interested in talking about and of course the spirituality and I think it's also something that you know I'm interested in trying to figure out like how how do I act as a human being in all of this, amongst all this, 
you know, amongst this uh, push to grow out cybernetics, you know, and how do I maintain my humanity? And that's something where, because um, I did finish the book, um, Alana Freeland's uh, Geoengineering a Transhumanism book. I concluded it and I, um, and <clears throat> near the latter part of the book, uh, Alana Freeland spoke about, well, she's, she wrote about a, a number of things that's, which are really important. Uh, one of them being, and this is what, this one really kind of um, made me sit up because I'm kind of in the electrical industry. And she was talking about how, in one of her chapters, she was talking about LEDs and how they can, they figured out how to use light to, um, I guess maybe almost watch us in a way like LED lights, like they, they figured out how to have LED, LED lights, uh, communicating with each other and how they, uh, can use the, the different light spectrums to watch us and to track us. Like, for example, like, you know how they have those OLED light TVs now? And I guess, like, that some of the consoles, the gaming consoles and stuff like that, they have out, uh, like, the, I think they have the ability and that technology to watch us. Like, they may not even need Wi-Fi so much if they can use light. Like, I'm just starting to learn a bit more about it. So I only have, like, a surface. I mean, she does go in depth in the book. Uh, but I just... From what I remember, those are the key points that really stood out to me. So no wonder they got rid of or are trying to get rid of incandescent lights. So if you can keep, if you, if you have incandescent light bulbs and lamps, keep them for as long as you can. And if you have stores and places where they sell incandescent lamps, buy those because you know, unless it comes from a reputable source, I know there's people trying to, I think there's people trying to make their own LEDs, but I don't know who they are, so I couldn't recommend them. Uh, but incandescent lights, like, they can't do that with incandescent light bulbs. And the nice thing, too, like, this is another, like, thing, nice thing about incandescents, which they, which LED, LED lights don't have, is because uh, uh, incandescent lights, they burn so much heat because they're not, um, as efficient as LEDs in terms of like the the wattage, I think they use up more more of it. Like they have more resistance, so they create incandescent light bulbs create more heat. And if you ever had like an incandescent work light, or you have an incandescent lamp, and you're kind of you're reading around it, you can feel that warmth, right? So that was kind of like that warmth was in a way it was a by like a secondary byproduct and it was nice because it heated our homes and it heated our office spaces we have to be careful you don't want to touch them because they are really hot so you don't want to especially kids and stuff you don't want them to touch those but in a way when you have a bunch of if you have a few incandescent lights and and lamps and they're going for a little bit they can help heat a place like the the heat's a byproduct so you don't it doesn't cost as much energy to heat a home because you're getting some of that from the light, from the incandescent light bulbs. But with LED lights, they don't do that anymore. So you're actually using more energy to heat a home, uh, even though they say that it's efficient and they last longer, but whatever. Uh, 
And another one that you really want to stay away from is the fluorescent lights, like those compact ones, because I don't know so much if they can communicate with each other. They might, I'm not, I don't know, I can't say for sure. I do know that they have mercury in them, so if they break, like it's not just, you know, you sweep it into a dustpan and throw it into the garbage, you actually have to, you know, do, a. you have to be really careful and clean it, like you have to treat it like a mercury spill. And I'm not sure how to do that because I haven't had, uh, haven't had to go through that. But you really don't want to be around those uh, fluorescent lights either. And the f- fluorescent lights in offices, like I feel real bad for office workers have to work under those. Like they're awful. Um, so it's just, if there's a way we can get our incandescent light bulbs back, that'd be great because the LEDs and the uh, fluorescent lights. I mean, I know. For, fluorescents aren't good for our health but leds like you know if they're able to uh, communicate with each other and you know use the light spectrum to monitor us then that's really not a good idea i wouldn't buy those i know they have like the led lights that you can hook up where you can like i think they're wireless or something and they you can connect them with your phone you can change all the colors or you can control when they come on or off I know it sounds cool, but I would really stay away from that stuff. Uh, We don't need it. They're just like shiny toys anyway. But my main concern is because they're they're connected to the Internet, the Internet of Things. And so if you're using these things, you know, it's it's possible that they could be collecting data from you using the light from the LED. So just, I don't know. I don't think it's worth it. I mean, people do what they want, but I just, I would caution with the LEDs and how much LEDs we use. I know they're all over the place now, um, but just be careful. And especially with the smart devices and Internet of Things, I would really, again, it's just junk. I mean, we didn't need it 20 years ago, so I don't understand why people are going gaga over it. But just be careful because those things, they're designed to collect our data. They're designed to collect data on you and especially on kids. So I would really caution I really wouldn't use those things um I know they're trying to make more appliances and cars and everything that have these things in them but we can say no you know we can say hey we don't want this stuff in our house we don't want this stuff in our schools we don't want it in our neighborhoods like you know keep an eye on your lamp posts and your um street lamps and stuff because a lot of those are LEDs now and they probably have 5G antennas built into them so just uh it's all over the place now. They've been putting them up in my community for a little while. So they're, you know, they really are trying to roll this stuff out. And in Alana's book, um, after, like the one chapter that I really remember was the t- chapter on the lighting. And then the other chapter was the one where she uh, cl- concludes the book. And, you know, she encourages people to think about how, how are we going to be human beings among all this geoengineering and all this you know cybernetics how do we keep our the being and our human being as John Trudeau has has spoken about and how do we begin to say no because you know I really do think this is a spiritual struggle you know and this is why I was talking about dreams and inspiration because they do kind of have a relationship with love and I know it sounds like a little (laughs) 
out there. And if you're not into it, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you. But I really do think that love and what we're going through is going to need more of a spiritual, um, almost like a spiritual revolution rather, rather than a physical one. Uh, and what will help us get through it is love and love for each other, for other beings, for Mother Earth, the cosmos, and really doing the inner work is important because this predatory energy makes us feel like crap. If you ever turn on the TV or watch or listen to the radio or something, um, you know, and, and Alana Freeland often talks, recommends getting rid of TVs. And I think she's right. I lived without a TV for a year. It was great. And I still barely watch it. So, you know, it's, it's, it is possible to enjoy life. I can, without a TV, I can testament, I can give a testimony, testimonial to that. Um, but if you are on the TV and you hear, you know, the commercials, and I guess the, now there's more advertisement online on the internet as well, uh, but all of it's geared towards like scarcity, making us feel bad about ourselves, making us think that we're not enough because we don't have the latest toys or we're not enough because we're not married or we're not we don't have kids or we do have kids or something like they're always, it's always nitpicking at us always. And it's just, it, it makes us scared and it puts us into a scarcity mindset and, and it feeds off that. It feeds off the fear and the anger and the, the greed and the resentment that we have towards ourselves, towards each other, towards our ancestors sometimes too. So I'm hoping that this, my, as as I finished Alana Freeland's book and I thought about where I want to do or what I want to do with my podcast, The Quantum Heart Cafe, it's being a counterweight to that. It's trying to find another way to be, another way to tell the human stories. And there's so many human stories. There's not, it doesn't have to be all about doom and gloom and, you know, and we got to get put behind us this notion that history is inevitable, that it's controllable. I've been reading this really cool book and I think I'm going to, uh, that's going to be what my next show is going to be on. It, it was, it's called God is Red and it's a book, uh, that was written by Vine Deloria Jr. And he's, uh, an indigenous, I think he, or the late Vine Deloria Jr. Cause he did pass away. Uh, he wrote a number of books. Um, and I've read another one where he compared, the Sioux, uh, Sioux Nation, um, it's kind of like a compare and contrast between the Sioux Nation, um, kind of their spiritual beliefs and how, and the, in their community and, and cultural beliefs and with that of Carl Jung's. It was a really interesting book and just how there's some similarities, but also some important differences. And, you know, Carl Jung, he, just, you know, like all Westerners of the time and, you know, even to a degree now, um, you know, thinking that, you know, Carl Jung thought that indigenous people were like, like backwards, but they're not backwards, like, or, or primitive. He used to, oftentimes would use the word primitive, um, both as a, like a compliment, but then also kind of as an insult as well, because he would, it was complicated. Like, he was on, Carl Jung was on to some things like the world soul and the archetypes, which, um, 
I think are predate Carl Jung's work, but Carl Jung kind of brought it um, more so into the Western um, consciousness, I think. <clears throat> and but just the arch like the similarities with archetypes and the world soul, soul and the kind of like the the psych the world psyche that kind of interpenetrates ma the material world. Um, so there's a lot of similarities and <clears throat> Fine thought that maybe there was a way to build a bridge between Carl Jung's thinking and some of the indigenous beliefs. And I thought that was really cool. And I thought maybe that's something I'd like to explore more on the on the um, on the show, and not as a way to be, and not as a way to appropriate or anything, but just as a way to illustrate that there's different stories. Like we don't have to follow the Western imperial story of domination and control. And we can find something else. And I think as Westerners, especially Europeans, like I have been learning more about my ancestry and connecting with my ancestral roots, which is Irish. And I know even that's complicated because there's like the Celts. And then before the Celts, there was like the Fromedians and the Fromordians. And so there's like a whole, a whole history there that I'm, I'm learning, but it's really cool to reconnect with that and that sort of um, nature-based spirituality, which I find I gravitate more towards than I do Catholicism. And in, because I used to be a Catholic, um, but in uh, Vine Deloria's book, uh, God is Red, he, he talks about this. He kind of talks about religion, um, like the mainstream religion from an indigenous point of view. And it's a really good book, and it, it made me really pause and reflect on my own beliefs and my own experiences, like my own kind of direct experiences with spirituality. And, um, and you know, he implored people or the readers that maybe we need to start thinking about different stories for human beings or as well as exploring some of the the other story, like outside of like the creation myth and so on, like exploring and understanding and learning about stories from other cultures from around the world and kind of, you know, put to bed this notion that we can control the future or you can control history and then that way you can control the future. Like it's not, um, you know, I don't think that's, I think that's a, that can be a very dangerous idea. And I think that the powers that shouldn't be are obsessed with trying to control the future and trying to bring about this cybernetic human 1.0. I don't think they're going to be successful. I know in Alison McDowell's work, she doesn't think they're going to be successful. And I agree. I think that, um, but the danger with that is that they can hurt and maim a lot of people and they have. Um, already, and they have, you know, in terms of, because the cybernetics, because it's kind of like they want to create this purity, they almost have like a, it has a feel, a eugenics feel to, to it, and I have been learning more about um, the history of eugenics, especially in Canada, most, most of the time it's focused on the states, but I'm focusing a little more on Canada, and Canada has a pretty dark and tragic past when it comes to eugenics 
Um, so I, I have been learning a bit more because that has that does sort of permeate this predatory energy or this this obsession with perfection, this obsession with um, social evolution and pushing people towards human one point or human two point or whatever. Um, because in that, I think they're going to maim and hurt a lot of people. And they have, we've seen examples of it in history and not just, you know, during world war two, but it's shown up. I mean, eugenics was around a bit before world war two. Um, but this obsession with, uh, going out and purifying and everything, like, it's just, we have to stop this. Like, you can't be doing that. We don't, uh, we're not the creator and we don't have the right to, or at least I feel like we don't have the right to be doing that. Um, you know, it's really, I don't know, it's really, it's a really slippery slope and I, I just don't, I, like I said, I don't, I don't think the cybernetic, um, <clears throat> You know, the cybernetic 1.0 or 2.0 human will succeed, but I do think we could see a lot of people getting hurt in the meantime. And so that's why I want to talk about it. As well as, you know, like I said, being talking about uh, stories that inspire me and, and spirituality and so on. I don't want it to be all dark and gloomy, but just it's more so it's kind of like the as I read uh, Robin Wall Kimmer's book. Braiding, uh, braiding sweetgrass, uh, and I talked about it a few podcasts back. And in that book, she talks about being aware of the darkness, but not being of the darkness. So it's just being aware of it, but not feeding it. And and that's kind of like what I want to do with my podcast is just sharing what's going on while not feeding into the fear or anything like that, but talking about. You know, well, what else can we do? What other direction can we go? What are you doing? What am I doing? What are we doing in our own communities? You know, I did, I had the, it was cool. I wrote a, I sent Allison a McDowell a letter because she has a, she talked about the labyrinth, um, you know, that we're all kind of in this, because what, with what's going on, it's very, it's kind of got a global scope, like this cybernetic world government, world brain that they want to uh, roll out, but they're doing it locally. So through the municipalities, through smart city initiatives, school boards, and so on, like they're, ro- they're trying to roll this out on a local level. And so um, if you think about it, it's kind of like a labyrinth, like we're all in this labyrinth, this big labyrinth, and it spans... It, it, you know, it, it spans the globe, but we're all in different areas and we're all kind of looking around the labyrinth, trying to figure out what's going on around us and, and, and understanding how this thing is rolling out, but then how, but by maybe by understanding this, we can try and, and figure out a way out of the labyrinth, you know, maybe we can, maybe by understanding this, we can find that piece of string, like in the, the myth and, figure out how to navigate it together because each of our communities it's different right like it might be rolling out differently in my community versus your community or, or whoever like it's rolling out at the local level and so what we're what they're doing is they're doing a lot of like pilot programs they're doing a lot of testing t- 
to see if it works because if it works in one neighborhood, then they'll they'll take it and they'll um, expand it to other neighborhoods. So I think by and, and I think Allison's right, like by paying attention to what's going on in our own communities and understanding how this thing is rolling out there, then maybe we can start to understand the labyrinth and how we navigate this and how we can find a way out of here and and choose something else for ourselves, for our communities, and, and for future generations, as well as the other beings that we share the planet with, because they're going to be tagged and tracked and traced on the blockchain already, or or, or actually they're already doing it with trees, um, but they're going to be tagged, traced, and tracked on the blockchain too, uh, and we are kind of we already sort of see this because you know how scientists like will put trackers on animals to track their to gather their data and stuff, or they'll put cameras out in the um, the forest and to to watch what goes on. So that's kind of happening. I'm not I'm not trying to like I'm just saying that like that's kind of where it seems benign, but behind the the market, but we have to be really careful that behind the marketing isn't this more nefarious agenda. Um, so, you know, it's it's happening to animals as well as to humans and, and other beings too. So, but they don't have a voice, so they can't say like, "Hey, we don't want this." So we can be that voice and be like, "Hey, stop tagging, tr- tagging crows or whatever. Like, you know, leave them alone," kind of thing. Um, I know scientists will say, but we can, we gather data and stuff, but I'm just saying like, well, is there a less evasive way to do it? Like, are you going to put this on the blockchain and, and gamble on the lives of crows and, and children and us and so on? So I think that's what I'll also do in a future sh- show is talk a bit more about the blockchain and social credit um, and social impact bonds. Maybe not social credit, but definitely social impact bonds and human human capital um, management because I think that's really important to understand or to, to understanding what is rolling out right now um, and how they want to get us in the cybernetic world and I think a key piece of that is the blockchain and the ledger but I'm going to leave it there for now uh, the next show I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the book God is Red and um, and following that, I might, because um, Alison McDowell often talks about this book called The World Sensorium, and I've picked up a copy, so I'm going to read that next. And so I'll, I'll uh, record a show, the following shows after uh, the God is Read, like the following shows, I'm going to talk about those, because I think it's really important to get, at least for me, it's really important. I learn better when I can understand like the big picture of what's going on and then once I know the big picture then I can understand like all the little details that make up the big picture you know like when you understand that this is a global you know this this is bigger than just health freedom then you can kind of start to see how blockchain and all these other things fit in it and how they, they can come together to create this cybernetic world government which is what they want to roll out <laughs> Um, and I forgot because at the end of, at the beginning of my show, I always talk about gratitude and I'm really grateful. I have some decaf coffee here. 
uh, and I'm really grateful for, um, you know, I had a decent holiday season and I, and my thoughts and my heart goes out to the people that are struggling through that crazy ice storm, uh, in the States and in Eastern part of Canada, we had our own kind of, uh, uh, brush with it as well. And so my prayers and thoughts are with the people that are struggling through this. Um, I, yeah, I, it's just pretty awful. I've seen some of the photos and it's, it's bad. So I hope, um, people are okay. And just, I, yeah, I, I, part of this, part of me thinks this is part of geoengineering just because, you know, I saw some of the houses like, and it just looks unnatural. Like it looks unreal. I, I don't know what happened, but, um, my thoughts and prayers are with you and, I hope that um, we find we can find a way out of this, I th and I know we can. You know, love wins. So take care, everyone, and thank you. And I'll see you soon on the next show. Thank you for stopping by the Quantum Ca Heart Cafe, and have a Merry Christmas, uh, or Happy Holidays, or whatever you and your family celebrate, and a Happy New Year. And we'll see you in the beginning of 2023.